Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are Real Life Zoo employees. As always, though, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind, though, that we try to keep our podcast about PG-13. So if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. Anyways, I'm Kenzie. I'm Abby. I'm Emily A. I'm Emily B. And I'm Katie, and we're all here this week. With that, let's get into it, shall we? Yes. All right, so we got a really awesome fan shout-out this week. Um, We got an email from Jennifer at Oklahoma State University. Um, She said that she heard from us from our wildlife club. So shout-out to everyone at that wildlife club at OSU. Thank you. <laughs> um, she gave us uh, a couple really great topics to talk about. So shout out Jennifer. Uh, stay tuned for some fun episodes coming up. Yay. Yes. Whoop, whoop. All right. Who's got conservation updates? So the Moat Marine Laboratory, um, which is one of the coolest leaders in the AZA, has grown coral that they are now transplanting in the wild and they have found eggs, sperm, and gametes on the coral. Ooh, that's awesome. And it's like the first time this has happened. I saw an article yesterday and I like lost my mind. It's so cool. So we're finally, and for those who don't know, growing coral is really hard. And really slow. And really yeah. slow. <laughs> so this is- They're finicky. This is a really big conservation win that we were able to- breed coral in human care and now put it into the wild and have it reproduce. It's a huge deal. Very exciting. And they're actually um, transplanting them in Florida <laughs> to help build up our reefs because of the lionfish. <laughs> so, oh, gotta love that invasive species. We don't have to love them. Yeah. <laughs> I have a conservation update as well. A couple of days ago, I saw an article all about um, rhino poaching, which is going to be super relevant to what we're talking about. Spoiler alert, it's rhinos uh, today. And the article was that rhino poaching has plummeted 53% during the lockdown, uh, extending five years of success in South Africa. So... Something that was kind of crazy is reading the article. It said that during April at Kruger National Park, uh, no rhinos were killed in the intensive protection zone for the first time in almost 10 years. Wow. Wow. Which is crazy. And also from January to June this year, the National Prosecuting Authority managed to obtain a 100% conviction rate of poachers who were arrested in that time frame. Thank goodness. Um, There's also been a 43% decline in elephant poaching for the same reason. Uh, They tribute a lot of this to the diligent effort of the rangers who protect the animals um, in these parks and reserves and fight the poachers themselves, um, still being at the front lines even during the pandemic. The Black Mambas. Yes, follow them on Instagram. They are amazing. Uh, They are one of the many rangers out there that are doing incredible work. And uh, even though this pandemic is extremely tragic and awful and so many ways uh at least you know 
if some someone should benefit from it, it I guess. at least it's the animals <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, that's it for conservation updates do we have any zoo news this week yeah we i have two pieces of zoo news um the first one's kind of sad um so buzz the polar bear who was from the como park zoo and conservatory has passed away oh. um this is kind of personal for me. He was one of my favorite animals when I was on the staff there. Um, but he was 24 years old, which is really old for a polar bear. Um, he's got a twin brother, Neil. So their names are Buzz and Neil. We love a good space oh reference. My God, that's so cute. It, it's so cute. And my favorite thing is I asked a camper one time, why do you think they named them Buzz and Neil? And she goes, after the astronauts. Yeah, Buzz Lightyear and Buzz Neil Lightyear. Strong Arms. <laughs> and Neil Strong Arms. <laughs> And that's great. It. It's my favorite thing a child has ever said to me. I love so, it. Oh, man. Um, that's hilarious. Our, our heart goes out. <laughs> I'm still laughing at that. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, our hearts go out to all of the staff, um, some of them who I'm, I'm friends with. Um, we're with you in the hard time. And just know that your care definitely was awesome for Buzz. And you know, we know it's going to continue to be that way for Neil. And we know that you have helped make a difference in a lot of kids' lives. So, we love a yay. polar bear. We love polar bears. Um, on out for Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> um, in good zoo news, this is something really cool. And if I had more money, would participate. The Phoenix Zoo is offering 15-minute Zoom calls with their animals. What? That's amazing. That's a great idea. This is so cool. Um, there's different options for animals and different price points for those animals. Um, but if you're wondering, like, what in the world am I going to do on a Zoom call with an animal? Uh, their keeper also, well, besides, <laughs> besides being like, look at your little nugget, Pete's. But um, the, the keeper is there, too. So you get to chat with the animal keeper about their animal while on a Zoom call with that animal. Uh, if you go to the Phoenix Zoo website, it's a great way to help support them during the pandemic because we know that Arizona is kind of a hot spot right now as well. So this is a way that they're going to help keep their doors open. So if you Mm. are uh, so inclined, um, definitely go get a zoom call. This is a good time where we should uh, say that we want to maybe start a Patreon. And if anybody wants to donate (laughs) to the Patreon, uh, so we can have Zoom calls with animals. So, like, Katie can Zoom <laughs> with a sloth. Uh, please, yeah, give me money for this. The sloth I saw was the most expensive option. Um, that makes a lot of other, sense. See, this is the problem, is I know, based on my extensive knowledge of beluga whales, there aren't any beluga oh. whales. So what the heck is the point? Georgia Aquarium, oh. Shed Aquarium, are you listening? Oh, oh. oh my gosh, rude. <laughs> wow. Okay. She had to talk about belugas. Somewhere. I know. I purposely did not write beluga news in the outline thinking that maybe <laughs> we would go one episode. And sure enough, <laughs> we can't. We cannot. So, no. But there is an option that's like mystery animal. And I would definitely, I think I would choose that one just to be like, surprise me with what animal I'm going to learn about. This would be like a really good, like present, like a, like a birthday <gasps> That's present. That's exactly like- what I was thinking. Ooh, oh um, my gosh, hey, ladies, true. ladies, you know how I'm getting married really soon. <laughs> <laughs> Wedding present. <laughs> Not for you know Tyler, what? but I'm just down. for me. <laughs> with like a, a primate, do they have any like, Oh, they do a squirrel monkeys. Oh my gosh, I would love to. Sorry, I'm now really into seeing who I can zoom with. 
Okay. <laughs> well, we know what Amy, uh, Katie's going to be doing for the next, like, we love it. four days. Hey, uh, can yeah. you Zoom call with a rhino? Mm, that's Ooh. a good question. I would be I intrigued. I'm guessing it's probably just anim- education animals, but you know, Emily B, why don't you tell us what is a rhino? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is the smoothest transition I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Okay, so if you haven't caught on to the theme of this episode yet, it is rhinos. Um, we're going to be talking about the different types of rhinos that are out there, conservation issues. Um, that face rhinos and how you can help rhinos in your everyday life. So we're going to give you kind of a brief um, overview of rhinos. If you feel like you're like me and you don't know a whole lot about rhinos, well, just buckle in because I got your back. Um, so what is a rhino? Some of you might say a land unicorn, you know, yes, chubby land unicorn. Yes. I, you know, I just, I'm here for that. Cute. Aren't some of them dicorns, though? Yes. They have so more than one horn. Some of them have <laughs> one true. horn. Some of them have two horns. Um, it depends on the type. So there are, um, let's see, I think it's five different, like, species of rhinos. And then they have kind of um, ecotypes or subcategories of those. So the main two, like, most common rhinos that people know about are white rhinos and black rhinos. Oh, black rhinos are my babies. They're very I cute. Them. I love All them. All rhinos are cute, though, in my opinion. But the black rhinos have the funny lip. That is true. (laughs) So, like I said, the um, two most popular species of rhinos that people may hear about or may know about are the white rhinos and the black rhinos. So there are a couple of ways that you can tell them um, apart. And like Abby mentioned, their lip is different. So if it's a white rhino, they have kind of a squared off lip. Um, And then black rhinos have like a hooked lip that's like prehensile so they can move around kind of fun. That's kind of exciting. Um, white rhinos are the most abundant species of rhino that exists currently. So their population is estimated at 20,000, um, which does not sound like a lot, but that's a lot for rhinos. Um, Those are the ones that I saw when I was in Zambia. Yeah. So rhinos, um, all species or all types of rhinos are on the endangered species list somewhere along the line. Most of them are critically endangered and we'll get into that. But um, so there are Southern white rhinos and Northern white rhinos. The Southern white rhinos are the abundant ones at 20,000. Um, and then northern white rhinos are functionally extinct. That means um, there's only two left. They're both females. Obviously, they're not able to reproduce. Um, so they are considered extinct in the wild. And the only two left are in zoos. So sad for them. Oh, the two that are left are in the wild, I believe. Oh, they are? Yeah. I, there were I like think... three left, and then they um, transported them over somewhere in Africa. Yes. Um, hoping they would breed, and they didn't like him. So oh. he passed away, and now it's just the two girls there. Just the two ladies, you know, living, do, living the dream. I do believe um, that – I think they were actually at the San Diego Safari Park is where they yeah, were. Yes, yes. They were, yes. Yes. And then – and they actually um, were able to keep some of the sperm yes. in Northern White Rhino. Yes. So hopefully one day there's a possibility of having them – be reintroduced yeah they're hoping um, that they can use the embryos from the white rhinos that we have um and then implant them into the southern white rhinos um, yeah so hopefully maybe someday that would be pretty cool um the last two are currently live at old Tahita wildlife conservancy in kenya well there you go in case they've got can. a great instagram Ooh. old Tahita does you know who else has a great instagram conservation queens who? 
Get that (laughs) (laughs) seamless plug there, girlfriend. Speaking of social, see, this is just like this great transition episode. I'm very pleased. Um, (laughs) Speaking of social, um, the white rhinos are the more social of the two. So you'll find them in groups where the black rhinos, they're solitary. They don't want to hang out with anybody. Um, They just hang out by themselves. And, you know, we love that for them. But they're my babies. Um, so a lot of people think that black rhinos and white rhinos are named for their coloration. That's not true. Um, they're, they're both gray. Like, there's there's not, <laughs> not a whole lot of wiggle room. There. They're both a very similar shade of gray. Yes. Um, to be but, fair, black rhinos are slightly darker. That's true. Uh, but but unless black rhinos were... Not, can you really tell? <laughs> they always look a little more reddish to me for some reason. Anyone else? No? Just me? Okay. I can say I've had an up-close encounter with a black rhino. Um, It was okay. It was at a zoo, and it was very safe. Um, But he was definitely all gray, and then he took the biscuit from my hand, and I was never the same, and he's my boyfriend now, so it's fine. We love that. We love that for you. Um, But anyway, um, so we've got white rhinos. We've got black rhinos. Um, Black rhinos, there's only 4,000 in the wild, so... They used to be numbered as high, their population used to be as many as um, 80,000 in the 1960s, and their numbers have declined so uh, much due to poaching, which we're going to, again, get into later in this episode. And then the other three species of rhinos um, are very, very few in the wild. Um, They are all critically endangered, and they all have very small habitat ranges, which is why they're so distinct. So there's the Indian rhino, the Javan rhino, and the Sumatran rhino. And basically, we don't know a whole lot about any of these three, um, other than their populations are next to nothing due to poaching. So, um, and do yourself it's, it's, a favor and look up a Sumatran rhino because they oh, just yes. make me laugh a lot. <laughs> I just really love them. I'm gonna stare. Their faces face. are very special. Are They're just all- cutie patooties. They're so cute. All three of those rhinos are only found in Asia, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And the other two are only found in Africa. Yes. Yes. Correct. Yep. Which is, I think, why they said that the the poachers are kind of moving to Africa is because there's they're easier to find than yeah. Asian well, there's ones, only because we mm-hmm. killed them all. There's only sixty Javan rhinos. There's only two hundred and seventy five Sumatran rhinos, and then Good yeah. So not a very oh, successful sending- poaching business to be in if you're looking for Javan rhinos. Um, and then just a couple of basic facts about rhinos. They are herbivorous, meaning they're not going to come eat you. You're not on their menu. Um, they don't have any predators because they're so large, um, which is a trait that I wish to have. Uh, <laughs> 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 like, can you just imagine? Like, you're just like this gigantic creature and nobody's going to come at you just because you're so big. Like, that's my dream. Like, Amazing. I would never have to worry about like anything. It would be magical. That's what quarantine was for. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> all right. Last rhino fact that I have for you all is that their lifespan is between 30 and 50 years, which is pretty long. Um, it is known to be longer in human care. Obviously, they don't have any um, threats or don't have to worry where their next meal is coming from and no threat of poachers. So they do tend to live um, quite a bit longer in human care, but their average lifespan is anywhere between 30 and 50. So. Nice long life. White rhinos are also the third largest land animal. Just throwing that out there. Ooh, wow. Oh, they big. They're, yeah, they're scary when they're close to you. African elephant, Asian elephant, and then white rhino. So 
I believe it. I don't know. I just think we should protect one of the largest animals on Earth. We should protect all or of just the animals. All of them. Yes. That too, I guess. Let's just not From be the largest be... animal to the smallest animal. Right. Let's just not be like a horrible species, but you know. <laughs> That's asking well, a lot. Speaking of why. Uh, yeah, speaking of horrible species. <laughs> uh, poaching. That's certainly something we've mentioned quite a few times already in this episode, but the question is why are rhinos being poached so much? Uh, There is quite a demand for rhino horn uh, from Eastern markets. Uh, Rhino horn is used in a lot of traditional medicines, uh, and the, the biggest markets, I didn't know this, were traditionally in China, but now Vietnam drives the primary demand. Uh, The thing is, rhino horn is made of keratin. And we've mentioned this before, but what does keratin also come from? Hair and fingernails. The same exact thing that our fingernails and our hair are made out of is keratin. So rhino horn, same thing. um, And it does not actually have any medicinal properties, um, which has been scientifically proven. So... That being said, the cost of rhino horn on the black market is still pretty high, but if someone could explain this next part. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, yeah. So I was um, doing some research today to figure out like what the cost of rhino horn was in the black market. And the website Save the Rhino, which is one of the leading conservation groups for rhino conservation, has actually recommended to um, people who want to like publicize the issue to not say what the value of rhino horn is because um, of a couple of reasons. Um, they list them on their website if you want to go check them out. But one of them is that it might encourage people to become involved in the trade if they realize they can get a certain amount of money for doing mm. these things. Mm. Or it could spread misinformation um, if the facts that you find aren't correct. So um, I will say that rhino horn is worth more than gold. But um they, that makes no sense can i just it, it sell my hair just... on the black market and... right yeah what the heck? i think kenzie's gonna get to that in a in a minute here Fair. but um yeah so if you if you go to their save the rhino.org and go to thorny issues and the value of rhino horn um the spe- the rhino specialist group um does not publish it from the iucn um recommendation Makes sense. Makes sense. Wow. So we're not going to tell you what the value of rhino horn is, and you should stop publishing it because we don't want to have it have any value anymore. It should be valued at nothing but a thing that goes on the animal's body. But obviously it is valued, and that's where you have poachers come in um, who do get paid a sum of money for uh, getting the rhino horn uh, and even though people often like to villainize poachers, um, we often forget that they are people and they are doing it for a reason. Um, often these reasons are things like lack of employment, access to resources, and it's generally a much more complex issue than poachers are evil and need to be stopped. Um, have, it's usually a very complex cultural issue as well. Have you guys, there was a video that I saw a while ago that was, I think it was an anti-poaching video um, I don't know if I saw it on Facebook or YouTube or somewhere. Um, I'll try to find the link for it. But it was 
um, about a guy who, like, it was kind of like a narrative story about a guy in Africa who was thinking about going out to, like, poach rhinos, and it showed, like, his motivation behind it. And it was really, really interesting to see, like, what, why that was happening. And it gave, at least me, a lot more insight onto the issue and how it's not just a black and white thing. It's definitely many shades of gray. I'm sure. I've read a lot of stories about um, poachers that will... They're not even really poachers. Um, people that will hunt uh, chimpanzees and gorillas and other uh, primates for bushmeat in Africa, um, literally because they can't feed themselves um, or their families. And it's not an issue of conservation for them. It's an issue of I would like to live to see tomorrow. Um, so it's it's way more complex. And, and then you have the flip side of it where, well, who is purchasing rhino horn? If we know that that's bad, that we're trying to save these animals, that they are um, declining so, you know, rapidly that we, it needs to stop. Well, um, like we said, it's generally going to be used for traditional medicine. And that has been a tradition for thousands and thousands of years. Um, culturally, that's not something that's easy to break. Um, it's it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of education. And um, when you have a family member that's sick, um, you know, you can get pretty desperate and try anything you can. Um, it can also be seen as a wealth and status symbol, especially um, currently with the expanding middle class in China as well. So one of the toughest topics when it comes to rhino horn conservation and poaching is um, how rhinos are poached. Um, a warning here, we're going to talk about um, what happens when rhinos are poached, and it's not a very, it's not a fun topic. Let's just say that. Um, so, poping, oh my gosh, poping. That's not, <laughs> I was so good. I was being so serious, and then I just biffed it at the end there. Yeah, it's right. still fine. I say we keep that in. <laughs> Great. So <laughs> poaching. <laughs> poaching operations um, are wide and varied. Some of them are technologically sophisticated. Um, I'm going to go over a couple of techniques that, is, that are common with what's going on. So the one thing everyone needs to know is often taking the horn from a rhino results in the animal's death. And it is not because their horn is being taken off, but because of what happens after. And I'll get into that in a second. So I don't know who wrote this, but it said that they heard of a crime syndicate in China that wanted to drive down rhino population numbers to drive up the price of rhino horn. Yeah, I heard oh. that in a couple uh, news articles. It, I would double check that, listeners, just to make sure. I'm sure it's not just one syndicate either, but that is generally something that has been running around in black market circles because, you know, economics, it's demand, and it's, it's, but I can't speak today. <laughs> Supply and demand. Supply, Supply and demand. demand. There we go. I did not do well in economics, but obviously the more scarce uh, resources and higher demand, the more you can gouge the price. So, and it's disgusting. So it really is. Yeah. Um, Rhinos almost never survive because of these different poaching techniques. Um, so let's go over a couple of them. So one of the poaching techniques is just shooting the rhino 
Um, this is where the technologically sophisticated things come in. Um, many poachers are now using spotting scopes with um, infrared so that they can see where the rhinos are at nighttime. Um, since rhinos are primarily diurnal, which means they're active during the day, um, nighttime is a good time to find them when they're sleeping. They also often will use silencers on military-grade weapons so the other the rangers can't hear when there is um, a poacher nearby, um, which is unfortunate. So that's one way. Um, over in Asia, there's a couple different rough ways that they're poaching rhinos. Um, Sometimes they dig pits in rhino's paths and then the rhino falls into the pit and then they shoot them. So it's kind of like a trap that they set. Um, sometimes they will poison the rhinos by dropping rat poison or spraying rat poison on different leaves and things that mm. the rhinos are eating. And the thing is, um, is that like that won't just affect the rhinos. It'll affect exactly. like, everything. Mm. Yeah. And Southeast Asian rainforests are already like not doing great. That's one of the most endangered. We always talk about the Amazon being like a really endangered rainforest, but the Southeast Asian rainforests are, I would argue, doing worse. Um, so anything that's going to devastate those animals is terrible. Um, so those are kind of the two, three of the main techniques that are used for poaching rhinos. Um, in South Africa, where the poaching is really, really prevalent, it is mostly... Um, shooting rhinos um for those who don't know in africa it's not uncommon to see people with military-grade weapons um just due to the political climate in many of the countries that are there um so somebody having one in their house is not as crazy as it might seem in other places which you know makes it harder to find poachers as well mm. so um, after they decide to poach the rhinos, sometimes poachers have other techniques too, so that rangers can't find them. And one of them makes me really mad, and that is that they poison the rhinos' meat. Because vultures will find all kinds of dead stuff on the savanna, like they're supposed to, and they'll circle. And usually if one vulture is circling, other vultures will see that vulture, and they will come in to join in on um, eating the carcass of the animal so what um, the poachers have been doing is they've been poisoning the rhino's body after they take the horn and by the way they just leave the body behind like they don't do anything with it they just take the rhino horn and they leave um, and so then when the vultures eat the poisoned meat they also die and anything else that's a scavenger whether it's lions because if you come across an entire rhino like that's pretty lucky for a lion right Lions, hyenas, whoever's coming after them, they're also going to die because of the poachers doing this. And the idea is that if they can't see the vultures circling, then the poacher, then the rangers aren't going to be able to find them as easily. And that has caused many populations of vultures in Africa to become critically endangered where they already don't have a great reputation. So that makes me so angry in so many ways. It's very crafty, though. It's very crafty. And that's the thing is, I think a lot of people assume that poachers are people who, like, can't get another job or blah, 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 blah. And that's absolutely not true. It's just a lucrative business. It's a business. And a lot of criminal syndicates are 
running this business. Um, it's not just like there's apparently a couple of like organized criminal gangs in South Africa that their that their input and output is rhino horn. Wow. And so it's it's not just like you're looking for a couple people looking to make an easy dollar. It is like taking down an yeah. entire gang. And that's not an easy task. Again, it's going back to that the issue not being black and white, right? It's mm-hmm. it's kind of this whole thing where you have to consider all these different wait, possibilities. Wait, I just thought of the greatest analogy of all time. Okay. Yes. Okay, so it's like the issue's not black and white. It's kind of gray. The rhinos aren't actually black and white. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh I'm boy! Wow. Myself. Wow. I'm glad that you're proud. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> All right. Emily well, came in strong with some comedy relief. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. We, we were getting a little sad. I had to break it up. I'm sorry. This is a hard topic, it and is. I'm very it's a very hard topic. I'm really passionate about this. And I think um, as a side note, part of it, the reason that I am is because when I was in studying abroad in Africa in Zambia, um, when we went to see the rhinos, they were like, oh, these are four of the seven white rhinos left in Zambia. Wow. And so yeah, all of us were I just heard. like, there was in, in Zambia, just, just Zambia, right? There are only, what they know, seven white rhinos left and we were looking at four of them and all of us who were there had this like moment where we realized that these animals are like going to go extinct in that country in our lifetime Mm -hmm. and it was very like crazy to see and basically listeners it was a really like harrowing experience but also it kind of got me really excited to start educating people more about the topic and hearing it from people that were boots on the ground in Africa talking about, they, they talked to us about how it is not like an easy decision to not poach animals because it's like a livelihood thing. So I get very passionate about this. So if I'm not as funny as usual, it's probably because I'm not really funny anyway, but like, (laughs) but also this subject is really hard. So, um, if we're getting into like how do these poachers get these rhino horns out of Africa because you would think this giant like horn that is like the size of your arm would be a little difficult to like get through an airport (laughs) right especially nowadays there's so much security you would think but of course these syndicates um when I was in criminal syndicates earlier it's not just like the people who poach the animals. It is the poachers, the buyers, and the distributors all tied together in one little bundle of crime. So they <laughs> bundle have, of crime. I, <laughs> you know, you could just go and get a bundle of crime at the grocery store. I guess. Yes, I'll take a bundle of crime with a side of arson in that. <laughs> <laughs> what they're doing to these rhino horns to get them past security. Number one, the most recent like technique is turning rhino horn into jewelry Mm -hmm. because who the heck cares if there's a lady wearing a necklace walking through the airport, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's sneaky. They're doing, they're doing necklaces and doing earrings. Um, If you Google search like rhino horn jewelry, You'll see all the news articles pop up. They look just like 
regular old jewelry. It would be so hard to spot. So that's number one. Number two, they're turning rhino horn into powder, which is what they do eventually anyway. They kind of press it into pills. and That's how they distribute rhino horn to the buyers. Uh, so they just turn it into powder before they leave Africa or um, Southeast Asia, wherever they're poaching rhinos from. Uh, the most like traditional, I guess, technique um, that's not as widely used anymore because now we have like super good security at airports is hiding horns in bigger objects. Apparently statues of Buddha was like the popular one. Oh, wow. Is they would hide rhino horn in statues of Buddha or they'd use the rhino horn as a base for the statues so it wouldn't be as suspicious. Basically, they've the, the people who are distributing this don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Oh uh, but they've always been clever, right? And so when our knowledge evolves, their smuggling techniques also evolve. And so it's something that we have to always constantly kind of be aware of which is just fabulous because yeah. it's hard to predict what they're going to do next, right? Mm. Like if you have a pill bottle of medicine, I don't know about you guys, when I was traveling abroad and I had my like, medication with me, if they could fake a label, it wouldn't be that hard to just get it through security. They don't really question medication. That's true. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that these airport people have to look out for what customs does. So the real question is, why is all of this still happening if we know that rhino horn doesn't do anything, like medically, because it's just keratin, it might as well be like eating your fingernails, which I know sounds gross, but so is eating a horn on, off a rhino's body. And why, why are we still doing that if there's that much education out there? Well, demand is still high. And I think that something to consider is when you're, when these people are buying rhino horns, it's said to be a cure for cancer, a hangover cure uh, to help you uh, become sexually aroused. All these things are like what rhino horn is supposedly able to cure. And if you were a desperate human who had been told through thousands of years of history that rhino horn could cure these things and nothing else had worked wouldn't you maybe be more inclined to try to get it right yeah. hoping for a miracle because what if the off chance is that like they're right and it does work mm -hmm. right and then you think about it but you're like but if it's just keratin wouldn't it fail most of the time yes except the distributors of the rhino horn mix actual pharmaceuticals that have been proven to work with the rhino horn to drive up the price. Wow. Because. So mad. Oh, uh, isn't it just making you Why so angry? Why can't they just, li like, they could literally just say there's rhino in it and there's no rhino horn. And then still sell they, it for the same high increased price. Like, I don't get it. I, I have no idea. Well, I guess that's the only thing that's making it valuable is the fact that there's rhino horn in it. It doesn't matter yeah. if there's other I just medicine. feel like if exactly if you're lying, you might as well lie for the benefit of the environment. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, Emily are president. you sure you're not a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, oh it's it's frustrating and I and it might be because, you know, if if they're lie if the distributors are already lying, here's the thing. 
then all those crime syndicates that have been around for a while, they're all going to lose their business. And then you have them on your back. And these are not like nice people who are going to be like, okay, try again next time. These are people who might like kill you. So I can kind of see why they would maybe be like, well, we've got to at least like put it in there. Right? So I I always like to say when I'm talking to people about why the rhino horde thing is hard is, is number one, if you're looking for a miracle, you might try anything, right? Mm -hmm. And number two, breaking your tradition is something that's super hard, especially when it's a cultural one. If anybody here drinks coffee and that's not even like really a tradition, it's just something that you do. How hard is it to cold turkey stop drinking coffee? It's definitely a cultural thing, though, too. You know, mm-hmm. it is. Like, it's the gotta have my coffee in the morning. <laughs> it is, and and it's the thing is, if you had to, if we, if all of a sudden somebody was like, coffee has been proven to cause cancer, mm. it would be really. I think it would still be really, well, really difficult for some people to stop that. doing it. You can just look at smoking for that example. Yes, that's a great I mean, example. That's literally, yeah. The, <laughs> But it's not easy to stop that culture or habit. No. And these cultures that are over in Asia are literally thousands of years old. They've been doing this for thousands of years. And this is all the way back to like alchemy is where this all kind of started. And that is just like, I can't even imagine having tradition that old. I don't know about you guys. So I mean, we're American. So yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mic drop. So what are we doing? like that was really sad yeah (laughs) so what are we doing to help these poor sweet babies i love my black rhinos i will be so sad if if black rhinos go extinct in my lifetime or in my children's lifetime i will come back as a ghost and i will haunt every single person who had a hand in it because no (laughs) well that's you're gonna have a long hot list people out there uh, got your back, Abby, that are doing the work now. So, <laughs> um, the Abby kind of gave them a shout out as one example, but anti poaching patrols or anti poaching rangers. Um, first of all, shout out to every single one of them. You guys, yes, so hard to not only keep animals safe, but they keep their community safe, they educate their community, and they protect their community. So, Shout out to them. They do it all. Yes. Um, and a lot of them are former poachers. Did you guys know that? Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we support those anti-poaching groups, it's usually people who are like, I didn't have income before, and now I have income protecting these animals that once I was, like, looking for. So it's a really cool way to, like, make it better. Right. So um, Abby mentioned the Black Mambas as just one. There was another one that I found. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that. Does anyone know? Akashengas? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. That would be my best It guess. means the brave ones, um, but they're another group of uh, women in anti-poaching um, that are being by setting examples to protect wildlife. So, yes. Round of applause to them. Um, <laughs> and I, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but education campaigns throughout Asia and Africa are extremely important. Um, I think Abby also brought Save the Rhino up. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I got some information from. Right. Uh, They're just one of many conservation organizations out there um, that deploy 
conservation efforts in the sense that it supports the community community. Um, so save the rhino has just for one example has 25 programs in 12 countries among the other things they do um, providing basic education in addition to conservation education um, is really big on what they do um, I guess the best way to explain this um, is that if you are an individual who cannot have your basic needs met, like you don't have access to food, water, shelter, and you have no money, um, you're very unlikely to even think about caring about the environment or wildlife. So it is very important that you have a basic education and you have the ability to support your family. If you want to help the environment, you have to help people first. That's pretty much. Yes. And, what it is. Right. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. There you go, that too. <laughs> and the conservation organizations that recognize this, I think, are the best ones ever that we should support. So as a, another example, they're non-rhino, but GRACE, the Gorilla Rehabilitation Conservation Education Center, um, they do very similar work that Save the Rhino does um, and just exactly what we're talking about, which is supporting your community so the community can support the environment. Um, and what is the analogy you teach a man to fish and he'll have fish the rest of his life versus just giving him a fish? Um, this is something mm -hmm. that these conservation organizations uh, focus on rather than just giving them food, which isn't going to do anything, um, teaching them to grow their own food is just an example of some of the things they do. Teach a man to save some fish and then the ocean survives. <laughs> That's the yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah. Um, I think Kenzie has some information about legislation. Oh, it's right. time for politics with Kenzie. <laughs> <laughs> we should make this a segment, wildlife politics with Kenzie. I love it. Anyways, buckle up and sit down, people. We're getting into <laughs> legislation. So rhino horn trade was officially banned back in 1977 with Back Cyprus. in. Back in. That's only like, that's not that long ago. That's like 40 years ago. Yeah, that's only 40 years ago. That's that's a little a little younger than my, than my parents. Oops, okay, probably took that one. Because mom's going to kill us. Oh, no, she'll kill me. She loves you guys. Um, but I was looking up here in the U.S. specifically about what legislation we have. Well, it turns out only five states officially banned the purchase or selling of ivory products and products made of rhino horn. Which oh, on the market, Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I believe it's Washington State, uh, New York. I'm, I'm looking up the list right now. I had it, and then it disappeared from me. Rhino horn legislation in the U.S. Podcast yeah. is so fun to listen to. <laughs> so, yeah, here we go. Currently, only five states, California, Hawaii, New Jersey, New York, and Washington, have banned the purchase, sale, trade, and possession with the intention to sell of ivory and rhino horns so oh my god yeah u.s okay, well 45 other on? states get on that you would what? think you would think 
but no, I'm but bad. so there is, yeah, so there's still a trade going on here in the U.S. And there has been some debate about it, too, because what do you do with antiques that already have rhino horn or ivory built into them? Uh, but yeah, so when you go to buy things, especially from, say, old estate sales or if you're in a shop, be very conscious of what you are purchasing, even if it is legal in that state because you are still helping to support that trade in one form or another. Or go buy it and then donate it to a museum and be like, yo, I confiscated this. Yes, report to fish and wildlife, baby. Uh, especially if it's in a state where it is actually banned. Otherwise, it's just going to kind of go nowhere. Uh, but another controversial issue, not necessarily legislation, though it ties into it, is rhino farming. Have you guys heard of rhino farming before? No. Uh, okay. I have an idea. No. I know what it is, but I've never it heard of it before you wrote it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just well, imagining not rhino. Working, so I'm sorry. I, I'll, I will say when I hear rhino farming, I just automatically think of rhinos placed into the ground and then people pick them like potatoes, but that's not quite <laughs> how it was. I mean, Can they kind of look like potatoes. A potato with horns. size. <laughs> A potato-sized rhino that you can just keep in your pocket. Oh, my God. Fun fact, Alexander the Great, I think, when he came in through northern Africa, he ran into rhinos, and that is where supposedly one of the origins of the legend of the unicorn may have started. I believe (laughs) But anyways, back onto the subject, back on track. Rhino farming. So what is rhino farming? So like we said earlier, rhino's horns are made out of the same material as our hair and fingernails. This means that if removed properly, they can actually grow back. So there has been some lobbying from private ownership of rhinos within South Africa primarily to legalize the trade of rhino horns so they can actually produce rhino horn. And hopefully uh, their argument is drive down the need for poaching and for illegal rhino horn. Which I can see that. I can see that. I actually did run into a veterinarian when I was in Botswana who was on her way down to look at a rhino farm where they were trying to move about this legislation, which it's an interesting debate. Uh, The other side of the coin is, though, and this is where more of the controversy comes in, is is that NGOs and law enforcement officials would be afraid of trying to figure out okay which is the legal horn and which is the mm-hmm. legal horn you know oh, how yeah. can we identify this how can we label this how can we make sure it's authentic uh also too it can be kind of confusing for a lot of the education movements that's been going on when Here's, they've been teaching yeah. people yeah, yeah. don't use rhino horn it doesn't do anything and now it's legal again so You're how do putting you value on it that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's really controversial, and these rhinos are not immune to poaching themselves. Um, people who own private rhino farms actually spend a lot of money on personal security for their rhinos. But as we were saying, these poachers can be very clever, so they still manage to get in, and unfortunately, they do not leave uh, any living rhinos behind when they poach off of them. So it's a really controversial topic. Uh, The Save the Rhino has 
a great resource website where they talk about controversial issues like this. So if you ever want to read up more about it on your own personal time, listeners, definitely, definitely recommend it. Yeah. And then I, did they agree with, like, what did they think about it? I'm just curious, you know? They who? The Save the the Rhino organization. Yeah. They don't, I couldn't really see a yes or no stance on them. They try to be pretty balanced about it. I would feel like from, from what I'm personally interpreting as they are not necessarily for it, but Mm. I can also see where where both sides are coming from as well, though. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a lesser of two evils thing, right? Yeah. And like, I know that one of the conservation efforts for rhinos is actually like removing the rhino's horn. Yeah. Anyway, like they mm-hmm. do that out in Africa because the horn grows back, right? It's just like your hair, right? So, or they, they dye the horn too to, to yeah, make I was it look. Don't they paint them and they like have pink horns? And it's really I was cute. Yes. Yeah. And here's the here's the crazy thing: that pink dye is toxic to humans, so it literally oh. makes it unvaluable on the black market. It doesn't hurt the rhinos at all. It doesn't hurt anything else, but. For humans, it's toxic, which means that they can't. It can't be ingested, or you will die. Wow, I so love it, it. Like, it completely takes away the value of the rhino horn. Wow. Well, of course, then you have a rhino with a pink horn running around Africa, which is a little bit funny. I kind of like it. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Like, I can laugh yeah. at that a little bit because that's a little bit like. Can you imagine just like driving down the road and you look over and you're like, that rather got a pink horn. Like, they have manicures. They're just giving them manicures. They should start making them and put them in fun colors. <laughs> well, I have another controversial um, subject about the rhino horn. Um, so it's really weird. Scientists have apparently made a very convincing fake rhino horn that is made out of a horse's like mane and tail hair. Um, and the whole purpose of this is that they want to flood the black market with this very fake rhino horn. Um, apparently under a microscope, it looks identical, behaves the exact same when it's cut or shaved, and it even smells the same when it's burned. It's almost like rhino horn is the same thing as hair. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... These scientists that have created this um, argue it could reduce the demand for slaughtering rhinos uh, or poaching them and be used as an educational tool to show that there is no difference. Yeah. Um, But again, it's very controversial uh, that if it will actually even help the rhinos or if it's only going to enable the problem in the first place. Yeah, that's where I wonder. Yeah. I think, like you said, using it as an educational tool, like showing, hey, they're the same exact thing because they're both made from the same exact thing is all good. But I don't know about actually putting it out there into the market. Right. It's the same thing as like rhino farming. Like, are right. we enabling just, the you're problem still or giving it value, which we don't really want? Right. Are they so they're relocating these rhinos to like private reserves, but it's not like people are taking care of the rhinos. They're just guarding them on a private reserve and letting them do their own thing versus like going out there and like feeding them already like in a zoo well it's not the same some rhinos um can be taken to go onto reserves uh like you're saying which is still like wild it's just protected land 
Um, but other rhinos are taken into private facilities. Um, but the whole purpose of this is to have the ultimate goal to re-release them on land that we feel they will be able to survive on um, and when populations are stable. Um, but it can also be used for breeding programs. I think we kind of talked yeah. about it earlier um, with the northern white rhino um, doing in vitro with the sperm and egg for the southern white rhino. Um, but that is like a like very far off out there thing that we haven't done yet. But there are tons and tons of breeding programs for um, Asian rhinos and African rhinos in human care um, with the ultimate goal that we have these genetic populations to be able to bring back to the wild if we have to. So, yeah. in conclusion, uh, don't Kenzie, buy take it away. products. <laughs> yes, couldn't have said it better myself. Once more, I will say it till the day I die. <laughs> do not buy rhino products. Do not do not it. It's not even if hard. You do, if you do... If you knowingly buy it, I will find you, and we're going to have a one-on-one chat about why that was a bad decision and how to rectify it. <laughs> but my ghost is going to haunt you forever. You're also going to have Abby's ghost. You you don't want yeah. that. You don't no. want us in your house telling you why no you should have done that. <laughs> oh goodness! But yeah, don't and don't buy rental products if your no. grandparents or someone in your family pass on their IV jewelry down to you or jewelry that may also be used and buy rhino products. Uh, you know, like Emily said earlier, consider donating it to museums or zoos that will accept it and handle it ethically and with care. Or if you're feeling rebellious, you could just burn it. You can do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is the thing. That is the thing. Um, I know Kenya, Uganda, and other African countries, when they do major seizures of ivory and other wildlife products, they will actually have these bonfires. And for them, it's a signal saying, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, we don't agree. Yeah. We don't agree with you. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like burning all of a drug lord's money. It's like, oh, you yeah, did all of this that for is nothing. exactly it. Yeah, no one can That's use a perfect analogy. Yeah, it's also a way, too, for the governments to show that we are not utilizing the stockpile to fund our own agendas as well. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, it kind of gets rid of any kind of political, like, scandals that could happen. Exactly right. Uh, now, of course, again, one of my favorite things to say, remember that this is not just a wildlife issue, but it is a human issue, too. People's basic needs must be met for them to care about the environment. It's so let's social... meet those needs. Yeah, environmental justice is social justice, and social justice is environmental justice. And I think people don't always realize that. But yeah, we need to take care of the people because ultimately conservation, yes, it does involve wildlife and wild lands, but it is foremost a people issue. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people I <laughs> good. No, no, I was go just ahead. Gonna... Finish what you were saying. A lot of times people who are in vulnerable communities are the first to feel the impacts of climate change and other environmental related factors. So you need to think about that. Also shout out intersectional environmentalists on Instagram. Yes. 
you're the best. Yes, that is a <laughs> whoever you are. We love you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would just, well, I would just like to add that I would love if we could just stop pointing the finger at other countries for poaching animals and illegally hunting animals when nearly every single country does it. It's just not of a great charismatic or big sexy megafauna. <laughs> Thank you. So, Thank you. We're all in the wrong here. Ed Thanks for using my big sexy megafauna phrase. Family. I really appreciate it. <laughs> just- <laughs> Wrapping it up, up for our conservation conversation. Again, pay attention to wildlife souvenirs. Spread awareness. Education is key. And donate to wildlife organizations. Donate to Save the Rhinos. Donate to WWF. Buy a rhino plushie. I know a lot of zoos, they have those adorable plush animals. When sometimes proceeds will actually go to conservation uh, organizations or efforts that directly benefit that animal. So it's I'm like having a little... right now. <laughs> Abby is already on the train. We love it. I don't have a rhino plushie. I should get one. Also, um, share us with your friends, everyone. Uh, share the podcast with someone you know, someone you know that might like animals or doesn't and wants to learn more. It's really cool if you do, and we appreciate it. Yeah, keep uh, sharing us with your um, wildlife clubs at university. Yeah, that's so cool. I, that's That blew my mind when I read that email. So thank you guys so much. And thanks for joining us uh, for our episode this week now go out there and stay sustainable bye 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 chubby unicorns